Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David. He that openeth and no man shutteth and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. And I just want to preach the second portion of this, God's open door policy. God's open door policy. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. This morning we discussed this and we talked about these five attributes that the Lord ascribes to himself when he is talking to the church or to the angel of the church, which I told you was the pastor or the leader of the church at Philadelphia. And we've always looked at the church of Philadelphia as being uh, the example church or the church to emulate. Out of all of these seven, this is the church that you look to as being the one that is most exemplary, the one that you uh, can say that they've got it together, if you will. And so we went through some of those things, and we got to this particular aspect when he said uh, that he's the key of David, the key of David. Let me go back and just read that portion. He that hath the key of David. And uh, somebody mentioned to me that they didn't really understand that. That was one of the mysteries uh, to them in the Word of God, this reference to the key of David. It's also referenced, as I mentioned this morning, in Isaiah chapter 22 and verse 22. I believe it is. It's mentioned there. And as I spoke to you this morning, it is uh, giving us... Really, it's, 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 it's a reference to the Davidic covenant that was made uh, to David and how that works out theologically through the Scripture. And not to bore you with all of those details, but as we begin to talk about it this morning, there was some things that David had. There was some things that he possessed in his life that caused him to stand as it were, head and shoulders above the rest, that caused him to be blessed of the Lord. And I have always been a student of Scripture that when I see the word blessed or blessed or any of those kind of references to being blessed of the Lord or even as, as you would see it in the Scripture, favored of the Lord. In fact, I was thinking this morning about Joseph, how that he went through all of the different things that he went through and the scripture tells us that while he was in the prison, the Lord was with him and he favored him, the favor of the Lord. Here he was in conditions that were less than conducive. Here he was in conditions that were seemingly physically uncomfortable and impossible or whatever you want to term it. But the Lord was with him and the favor of the Lord is upon him. 
And you know what? In long term, in longevity, if you will, if you've got the favor of the Lord, you're always gonna you're always gonna come out on top. You're always gonna emerge uh, above the rest. God is gonna help you to rise above whatever troubles that you're going through. It's sort of like uh, sort of like a piece of foam out in the water. You can you can take it down to the depths by force. But when you turn it loose, it's going to go all the way back up to the surface and pop up to the surface. You can't hold it down, in other words. You can't keep it down. I want to tell you that that's just the way that a saint of God with the favor of God upon their life is, is that they may get knocked down, but they're not going to stay down. They're going to come back up. God is going to help them to overcome. God is going to give them victory over the situations of their life. We also talked about the key of David referencing how that Christ was to come through the lintage of David. And this is again dovetailing into the Davidic covenant. Uh, and, and that is a very detailed and deep subject that I won't go into here tonight. But he talks about the key. And I begin to think about the concept of the key. And uh, you know you can open doors with a battering ram. And you can make a lot of noise, and, and it'll tear things up. And a lot of times when we think about uh, uh, doing the work of God, we think of it as far as breakthrough, and I understand all of that, and I understand that there are times that God opens up and gives us uh, an area of breakthrough. And uh, there's times when we have to tear down walls, and there's barriers that the enemy tries to erect in our lives that we have to tear down and I I understand all of that and I I'm not I'm not going against the concept of breaking through there is times that we have to break through but there is times also that God simply gives us a key that will open the door and to use a key is much simpler than using a battering ram and it causes a whole lot less damage and a lot of times God gives us that simple key that often is overlooked and is so small, such a, such a tiny thing in comparison with the door that sometimes is before us. You know, uh, the saying is that big doors swing on small hinges. In other words, little things can cause big things to happen. Well, the same is true when it comes to a key. It's a small little item and a small little thing, but it can open a big, big door, an entryway, and provide access and provide entrance into something that is an entirely different, uh, maybe it was something that you desired, maybe it was something you wanted, something that you wanted to enter into, but you were unable because the door was locked. And sometimes God gives us a choice. We can struggle against that or we can search for the key that will unlock that, that blessing, that anointing, that touch of God in our life. You get what I'm talking about. And sometimes it's not the big thing. You know, we as apostolics are always trained to look for the big things. We, we want big miracles. We want big things to happen. And there's nothing wrong with that, I don't suppose. But sometimes big things happen through little details. And sometimes if you leave those little details out, you'll never discover the big things. You'll never be able to have the big things. You'll never be able to enter in to, to the areas that God 
has in store for you. Amen. I imagine it like a large warehouse that has all of those things in abundance that we need. But it takes a small key to unlock the door to the big warehouse of God's blessings. And that's the way it is sometimes. And if we're not careful and we're not discerning and we're not sensitive, we'll overlook it because we're looking for something big. And many times we, we you know, everybody loses their key from time to time. Everybody. There's not one person. Some people are more proficient at it than others. I won't call any names. Some people are, are better at it than others. You husbands, don't be nudging your wives now. And wives, don't be nudging your husbands. But there's sometimes that, you know, keys get displaced. And it's amazing how those jokers can get hid in a house. And you usually have places that you place your keys. And you've searched all those places, can't find them. And then you kind of start going down mentally that list, you know, in your mind where all you've been. And uh, most of the time, they're going to show up if you search for them. Uh, but it's amazing how your life can shut down over such a little item. You know, transportation is not possible. Getting in the house or getting into rooms or places that you want to go is not possible. It's certainly not as easy if you, I can't tell you how many times I've locked my keys in that office right over there. And because they have a door that is, is hooked to a mechanism that automatically shuts, as soon as I walk out, you know, it didn't take long for it to be prompted in my mind. As soon as I hear the slamming of that door, I remember, oh, my God, I left my keys in there. I've had to call and have somebody come down here. And I'm standing out in the hot sun outside. Uh, the, you know, if I can get in this building, I do have ways of getting where I need to go if I can just get in the building here. But, you know, uh, I don't want anybody driving up and down the road seeing me doing that. And so I don't want to try to jimmy the door from the outside. There was a, a few years ago that we had a couple preachers come by here. And uh, it was on prayer meeting night. And uh, I think it was Brother Ethan that come and got me and said, Hey, said there's two men out there. They're big men. And uh, they got cowboy hats on. And uh, I don't know who they are, but they're looking for you. And they came out of your office. I said, They come out of my office? I probably shouldn't be telling this, but anyway, um, come to find out, they, they had made their way into my office, and uh, they said, you didn't think that, you, you thought this thing was locked up, didn't you? And it was, uh, it was a couple of preacher friends of mine that made their way into the church without a key. And you know what? you got to have a key to get into some things, but I guess if you're, if you're, uh, wily enough and, and, and know how to do it, you can enter into some things, but it's so much easier if you have a key. I said it's so much easier, and that's the way, the normal way of entry is to use the key. And sometimes we displace it, sometimes we, 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 we don't know where uh, it is, or sometimes uh, we're not cognizant of the fact of what it is that's going to open this door for us. But, but the Lord has provided for His church a key to the blessings, to the revival, to the promises that God has in store for His people. I believe there's a key in every life. It's not always the same. The key that, that God wants to use to open things up for me is not the same as it is for you. But I do believe that there is a corporate 
there is a corporate blessing and there's a revival as a church that God wants to give and that if we'll be sensitive to find what it is that God wants to use, it'll open up without a lot of effort on our part. What I mean by that is not that we don't have to sacrifice, but we don't have to struggle. You know, when you're trying to do things just in your flesh, it is a struggle. When you're trying to do spiritual things through carnal means, it's arduous, it's hard. But it becomes a whole lot easier when you got the help of the Holy Ghost. It becomes a whole lot easier when you've learned out how to use that key through faith to open that door. And sometimes that key is a little bit more consecration. Sometimes that key is a little bit more commitment. Sometimes that key is just being sensitive to God and what God would have and what God is leading us into. There's something about being sensitive to the Holy Ghost. God wants to provide opportunities for His church. I believe that with all of my heart. We're not always aware of the opportunities, but God has opportunities for His church. And so being sensitive to that, that key, and he said there's a key that's going to unlock this and open this door. And then he goes on and he says, He that openeth and no man shutteth. And we could talk about that and we will. And then number five out of these five things, he talks about he that shutteth and no man openeth. Now the implication here is, is that God opens and shuts things. We, we, we like to think about just the things that God opens up to us. We like to think of it just in the positive. But I want to tell you, not all doors that God shuts is a negative thing. And neither should it be judged by us as just being a negative. Oh, God shut that door. I guess, I guess I'm just going to have to live with it. And we view it as a negative thing. I want to tell you, because God is omniscient and he knows the future and he knows what's down the trail and what lies ahead, a closed door may be a blessing in disguise for you. Matter of fact, I was just talking to a preacher. I was just talking to a preacher last night that... I mean, at the last moment, he said the Lord opened another door and closed a, a door that was uh, apparently open, and it looked like that was the will of God. And at the last moment, that door closed, but another one opened. And he said, looking back in hindsight, he said that was obviously the right thing to happen. And I didn't even realize that I, I he said, in fact, I was discouraged and disappointed about it at the moment. But God showed me when I'm able to look back in time now that, that it's all in the will of God. And by following the Spirit of God, that door was shut and another was open for me. There's sometimes that God protects you and watches out for you and takes care of you. Beyond what you're able to see in the present, God knows the future and the door that looks like, uh, it looks like it's being shut. Maybe it's God trying to save you from something that could have destroyed you. Maybe it's God trying to, to help you in the end to bring you to a better blessing and a greater thing that He wants to do in your life. Because if you trust God and walk with God, you have to understand that God has greater things. God has greater things. He He's not trying to pull you back or hold you back or hold you down. But God is going to use every moment and every situation in your life to take you into greater things. Amen. Oh, let's clap our hands to the Lord. 
And so let's deal with what some folks perceive initially as being a negative, and that is that God shutteth and no man openeth. You know, some people that rely entirely upon the flesh, they can depend upon their own abilities to open certain things for them. But you know there's some doors that don't open just because you've got a good personality, just because you're persuasive, just because you're manipulative, just because you have charisma or any of the such. They're not going to be coerced open, in other words. Spiritual doors don't open like that. And I know that this is, this is a little different than it was this morning, but I nevertheless feel this very strong on my heart because we need to understand this concept about doors, doors that are shut and doors that are open to us in our relationship with God. I read several examples in the Scripture where doors were shut by God. We know that Genesis chapter number 3, when Adam and Eve failed in the garden, and violated God's commands. The Bible said in verse 24, So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubims, and a flaming sword, and a flaming sword which turned every way. This is a very unique thing. To keep the way of the tree of life. In other words, in every direction, it guarded the tree of life. This was a shut door. By their choice of falling into sin by their own by their own choice and by their own decision they shut a door or God shut that door that was what God told them was going to happen he said if you partake of this uh, death is going to come into this world and there's going to be consequences involved and so we understand that they made the choice but God he placed a a Flaming sword there that really essentially was a shut door to them. What used to be available, what used to be uh, something that they could access, something that they could go to and partake of was no longer available to them. I want to preach to you that, that by decisions and choices that we make, if we're not careful, it may seem like a frivolous thing. And I am always and continually amazed at people that they make such big consequential decisions with little thought and with little prayer and with little spiritual sensitivity to what God may want or what His will might be concerning that situation. For 50 cents more an hour, they'll move across the earth and they won't even know if there's a church there that can support them and help them spiritually. They don't even know if there's a church that believes anything uh, concerning the truth. But they know that they want to go over there because they're going to get a little bit more money in their pocket. I'm going to tell you, God will sustain you if you'll do His will and His will will always turn out best for you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. What I'm saying, I'm just using that as an example to tell you that we have to be cognizant spiritually and aware and sensitive spiritually that the will of God is always going to be what's best for me. I'm going to be fulfilled in the will of God. I'm going to be complete in the will of God. I'm going to be most fruitful in the will of God. I am going to flourish most in the will of God. My life is going to be blessed in the will of God. My family will be taken care as long as I stay in the will of God. That doesn't mean that there's not going to be problems and not going to be challenges, but if I'll do the will of God, 
God will take care of me. Hallelujah. Come on, that's my responsibility. That's what I can do. And so God shut that door for them. Also in Genesis chapter 7, Noah, the Bible tells us that, of course, uh, at the time when finally the fulfillment of judgment was to come upon the Andalusian people, that, that the rains began to descend, the fountains of the great deep were broken up, and the Bible tells us in verses 15 and 16, and they went in unto Noah into the ark, two and two of the all flesh, wherein is the breath of life, and they that went in went in male and female of all flesh, and God as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. The door was shut. God shut and sealed that door. Why? Because Noah, when he heard the cries of those people, I don't believe he was sitting over there clipping his nails and saying, you know what, you guys got what you deserve. You should have listened to my preaching. No, I believe he had his ear pressed against that door saying, if I could, I'd open this door. But God shut this door. And no man can... Can, can open it. I can't open this. This is a door that God shut. There's finality when God shuts a door. Amen. Some of us are still trying to press our shoulders against doors that God has shut. You need to accept the finality of it and say, you know what? This is shut and this is not what God wants. I'm going to quit trying to force it. I'm going to quit trying to make it happen. I'm going to quit trying to press against it. I'm going to have peace about it. I'm going to, I'm going to surrender to it because I want the will of God in my life. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm preaching to you here tonight. Hallelujah. Most unhappy people are people that keep on struggling with the door that God has, 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 has shut in their life. And, and, and they're going against it. And they're struggling against it. And they're pressing against it. And, and they're wearing themselves out in frustration. And they are, are trying to open a closed door when if they just look right over here, there's an open door that God would give them and bless them and make them fruitful with if they would just be able to be sensitive enough to look for the open door that God has provided. Because anytime God shuts a door, he opens another. Can I say that again? Anytime God shuts a door, he'll open another. I, I suppose one of the most prominent is in 1 Corinthians chapter 28 when David was desirous, I mean a noble desire, to build the temple. And he went to Nathan, and Nathan off the cuff, told him, said, yeah, that sounds great. Sounds like that'd be the will of God. Doesn't seem like there'd be anything wrong with you building a temple, of course. And then God spoke to Nathan and said, no, that's not what I want for David's life. David is a man of war, and he's got blood on his hands, and I'm going to use somebody that has not been involved in all of those conflicts to build my house. He can set the stage, but he can't build the building. And so... Nathan had to go back and tell him what God had shared with him and digress a little bit and say, you know, I told you it was all right, but uh, God shut that door for you in your life, David. And David could have been upset. I'm sure he was a little bit disappointed. He could have said, hey, buddy, I'm the king. You're the prophet. I, I, I got the power to do this. I've got the authority to do this. I'm going to go ahead and do it. But nevertheless, he acquiesced to the shut door. And he said, you know, if I can't build it, I at least am going to lay up materials and make plans for it. And we call it 
the temple of Solomon or Solomon's temple. But really it should be called or dedicated to David because David, he designed it or had it designed and he got all of the materials in place for it to be built. Really all Solomon had to do, everything was prepared. All he had to do is just tell him to build and, and, and oversee that part of it and it's named after him. But really all the work and, and the, 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 the underpinning of it all relied upon David. But David was willing to acquiesce to the closed door in his life. David was willing to say, I yield to the door that God has shut. And that is sometimes difficult for people to do because they get it in their mind. I'm going to marry this person. I'm going to do this. I'm going to have this job. I'm going to have this career. I'm going to do it this way. I'll never forget when I was... Uh, starting our family, and, and I, 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 my first uh, little bit there, I, I felt like, uh, you know, I was going to go to, to uh, a school and provide, to be able to provide a living for my family, and, and had been accepted to go to a, a school that was involved with engineering. And uh, uh, so we, that, that was kind of the plan. This was a, a program that I'd been accepted into, and that was what I was going to do. Matter of fact, I was already taking my first couple of courses and finishing those up. And, and I was telling my father about my plans. And I remember him saying to me, he said, but what about the call of God upon your life? And I can't tell you that was like the tolling of a bell in my mind. That I cannot forsake the call of God upon my life to pursue just the things of this world. And I'm not saying that how I did it or how it was done in my life is the way it is for everybody. I'm doubtful that it would be. But at this particular time, at this particular juncture, and you'd have to know all the details, this was just what was working out. And I said, God, if you're going to, if this is what you want me to do, you're, you're going to have to be the one that opens the door. I'm not going to shove any door open because this is what's opened up to me. This seems like to be the right thing as far as I can see. And then... It wasn't but just a few months after that that I traveled to a particular conference that was held in Salt Lake City at the time, and I just put it out there, God, if this is what you want me to do, then that's what I will do. And uh, I, I remember it was a very tumultuous time, and, and I, a lot of uncertainty was involved with it, but in that particular conference, God opened up the door. And here I stand today. I could have I could have pressed on the door that God was closing and said, God, that's that's not the direction that I want to go. I want to go for security. I want to go for this. I want to go for that. And God said, no, but this door is what I've got open for you. You have to follow the open door of your life and be willing to say, God, it's not my will that I want, but it's yours that I want to see accomplished. Can you say praise the Lord to that? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God. Sometimes in our ambition, sometimes in our aspiration, sometimes in our goal setting, we forget that we have to follow the doors that God is opening in our lives. And so David accepted God's ruling in this matter. Not only does God close doors, but he, as he says here, he opens doors that no man can shut. He shuts doors that no man can open, and then he shuts or opens doors that no man can shut. 
and we see several examples, and I will not go into all of them that I have provided here, but we do know that the Bible says of Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 8 and 9, Paul tells of how that he would love to visit the Corinthian church again. He's wrote them a letter, this epistle, and he's telling them, I'd like to come to you and be with you, fellowship with you, preach, teach, whatever, instruct you, help you, and just see you again. But he said, I'm going to tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. And that's a message all in itself. I'm going to tarry here in Ephesus. Now, you've got to understand about Ephesus. You've heard me preach about Ephesus before, but Ephesus was kind of like the crown jewel of the Asian minor. And Ephesus was a very godless city. It was sort of like the Paris or the New York or worse. I mean, we, we like to think about our age as being the most evil, and it, sure enough, it, it, it is pretty evil, our generation and all that. But we tend to discount ancient societies as being some way maybe a little bit better morally or whatever. I'm going to tell you, they were pretty debauched also. If you read the history of it all, it was pretty rough. And uh, I, the only city that comes to mind that would have been a lot worse than perhaps Ephesus would be Nineveh would, would be the only city that would come to mind. And when I studied in school the, the history of Nineveh, I was amazed at the, at the debauchery and the sacrilege that went on and the godlessness and the almost shaking their fist in the face of God and being in rebellion against what God would order. And that's even in history. That's not even considering it from a biblical standpoint. So we understand why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh because men of God were not much appreciated in Nineveh. And so therefore, uh, Ephesus was a pretty wild and open society that was uh, where uh, the temple Diana was. This is the, the people that worshipped Diana and a whole lot of other false gods and, 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 and they were involved and steeped in all kinds of things. And he said, I'm going to stay here. It isn't got to the point that I'd like for it to. It hadn't broken over like I'd like it to. We haven't seen all the revival that I would like to see here, but I'm going to stay here until Pentecost. In other words, I have set uh, uh, some, some, some perimeters. I'm not just going to tuck tail and run. You know, sometimes when God leads you into something, you have to give it some time. You have to be patient with it. You have to keep on. You know, you have to keep on doing whatever it is that God has instructed you to do and not give up. Amen. I can tell some of you, you, you expect me to go a little bit different direction tonight. You, you, you want me to, to preach you up and, and all that kind of stuff. But I am preaching to you something that will help you and a little meat that will stick to your bones and to help you in your spiritual. I'm going to tell you, you know, living for God is not always walking on these ceiling tiles. Living for God is not always flipping and flopping up and down these aisles. Sometimes living for God is when your feet hit the ground, being able to walk straight. Some people, they live like this, like a big old roller coaster in their relationship with God. They got elevator religion. One day they're on the top floor and the next day they're in the basement. I'm going to tell you, that's not living for God. That's not what it's meant for you to be. That's not what a child of God in its fully developed state is supposed to be. A mature saint of God knows how to be consistent, knows how to worship, amen, knows how to pray, knows how to be consistent and faithful to God no matter what's going on. 
And I, I tell you what, through this whole thing, I've become a whole lot less patient, a lot less patient with folks than I have been because it seems like folks want to use everything for a crutch. Every little thing that happens in their life, they want to use that as some kind of a crutch so that they can be excused for everything. I'm going to tell you, troubles have been happening way before you came on this earth, and they're going to happen if you survive, and if you make it, and if you live, and if the Lord tarries, uh, there's going to be troubles here all the way to the end. And they're going to get worse, the Bible says. So we need to get stronger, not weaker. We don't need to let down. We need to get and pull ourselves up and say, you know what? It's time for me to buckle up and live for God and suck it up and be a saint of God like I'm supposed to be. Praise God. Praise God. Be a spiritual person. Amen. If I'm just always blown around with every wind of doctrine, I'm not going to be too stable. Amen. You can find you an excuse. Today we got all kinds of them. All kinds of excuses. Amen. We need to, we need to man up a little bit. I don't know how else to say it. I know that's probably not the most proper way to say it, but we do. We need, to, we, need to, we need to gain and realize that, hey, we're not serving a flim-flam God. We're serving a God that says that greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. And the church that I read about that he's coming back for is not a weak, initiated, down and out, just barely making it, barely scraping by and on survival mode. But the church that I read about that he's coming back is great and glorious and powerful and triumphant. Amen. That's the church that he's coming back for that's strong. Amen. Not a weak church, a strong church. Praise God. Still got faith alive in their heart. Praise God. So uh, he said, I'm going to stay with this because a great door effectual is open unto me. But he said, and he didn't say, but there are many adversaries. He says, and there are many. And that is an important point. Because when you use a conjunction, it's the opposite of you can say, well, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be equal to. But when you use the word and, you're using an adjoining word that says as great and as effectual as this door is, and equal to, there's no conjunction here, there's nothing to delineate between and there are many adversaries. In other words, the adversaries are as great as the door is. There's a great opportunity, but you can just rest assured there is opposition. And anytime there's opportunity, there is going to be opposition. I hate to tell you that. I hate to break it to you, but there's going to be opposition. If you're going to see a miracle, you're going to have to have something go wrong sometime. If you're going to see God work, you know, a lot of people say, well, I would like to see those miracles of God providing. Well, you won't go without? <laughs> we got a sign-up sheet in the lobby for everybody that wants to go without and wants to, wants to suffer a little bit so they can see God provide. We'll have a sign-up sheet in the lobby for you. Nobody be signing up. Boy, it sure is quiet in here. Like the preacher said, you can hear mice licking ice in this building. That's the truth. Nobody wants to suffer, but everybody wants to see the supernatural. Well, sometimes that's not always compatible. 
Sometimes we have to be willing to allow ourselves to go through some things. I was thinking of my friend, Brother Larry Hamby, the pastor's in Kentucky, who came here and, and uh, preached for us once and, and sang, a tremendous singer. And um, I didn't know that he had wrote this song. He's right now hospitalized because of COVID and in, in, in dire need of, of prayer. But he, he wrote that song, I'm not in the valley, I'm just changing mountaintops. You know, it's all about perspective. It's all about perspective. I may be in a low depression state right now as far as where I'm at local, you know, where I'm at and my location. And, but I, I, I'm not going to be staying here. Just like the psalmist said, I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm not staying. I'm not planning on staying here. I'm going through it. you got to get up in your mind uh, an attitude that I am going through this thing. I'm going through the trial. I'm going through the desert. I'm going through the dry place. I'm going through the trouble. I'm going through the sickness. I'm going through the problem. I'm going through the temptation. I'm going through whatever it is that I'm facing in life. Why don't you stand with me right now? I'm going through it. Amen. Because I see a door that's been opened. There's opposition, but there's still a door that is effectual. Amen. And it's open unto me. Yeah, I'm going to go on through it. You know, the only thing is about a door is that it can be used as much as it can be used as an entrance. It can also be used as an exit. Isn't that right? As much as God has provided a door of entrance for people to get in, to get into the church, to get into the things of God, to get into the promises of God, to get into the blessings of God. You know, some people are going to see this door as an opportunity to exit, unfortunately. That's the truth. You know, I don't find, I don't find where he ever closes the door behind people. We don't believe in eternally secure doctrine. We don't believe once saved, always saved. We don't believe that once you get in this, then you're never able to fall out of this. And so there's an open door policy. God said, I want people that love me because, or live for me because they love me. I want folks that worship me because they do it out of choice. I want folks that serve me because their heart's in it. I want to ask you a question tonight. Is your heart in serving God? Amen. You know, through all of this that we're facing in our world, Sister Wendell called me, and she said, you know what, this is, this is causing a separation between what's true and what's false. And the tree is going to fall, and it's going to fall and lie where it falls. And you have to keep rocking on. You have to keep going on, living for God. Some are going to use this door as an opening to exit while some are going to come and see it as a great door of entry. I never knew it could be this great. I never knew 
I never saw the church as a refuge as I do today. I never saw it as a comfort like I do today. I never saw it as a blessing as I do today. And you know what? Nobody can make that choice or that decision for you. That's a choice and a decision that you have to make. You can use that door to get closer. You know, some people in the city of refuge, it was, it was Abner that was lured back out to the entry of the city of refuge. And it was, it was there that Joab thrust him through with a knife in his fifth rib and slew him and killed him. In the very door of hope, in the very door, if you want to say it this way, of the church, the refuge that God had provided for him. He was safe as long as he stayed in. And somewhere or another, in a moment of weakness, he was pulled out and persuaded to get outside the entry. And he was slain. I want to, I want to tell you, we don't need to get close. We don't need to get close to the things of the world during this time. We need to draw closer to the sinner. Amen. We sing that song, Jesus is the sinner of my life. Jesus is the sinner of it all. I want to tell you, he's still the center of it all. I remember the question that was asked in the Old Testament of the man that went near the wall of the city and there was a rock that was thrown, a millstone that was thrown down upon him. And the question was asked, why went ye nigh the wall? In other words, you knew there was danger there. You knew there was the, the capacity to be harmed there. Why would you take the chance and the gamble? Why would you do something like that? I'm going to tell you, you've got to guard yourself. Stay well within the perimeters of the church. It's not a time to be out there exploring things. You know, all this time people's been separated from church and all those kinds of things. I'm going to tell you, it's a time when the enemy's going to try to infiltrate. He's going to try his best to get you to doing things that you would have never considered doing before. Getting separated. Kind of an awkward time as far as fellowship is concerned. And we need fellowship. We're not made for isolation as human beings. We're, we're made for, for being together as God's people. That's, I understand the circumstances make it like it is. But nevertheless, this is, not, this is not the perfect will of God for it to be like it is. But the enemy can take advantage of that. Can I talk to you? He can take advantage of that. You need to realize that. Don't be ignorant his devices. Be aware. Be informed, in other words. Know. Learn. You know yourself. You know your weaknesses. Don't allow yourself to fall into traps and pitfalls and snares of the enemy during this time. Like the little boy that fell out of bed. There was a thud on the floor and his father was awakened by it. He heard his cry of his son. He ran down the hall ricocheting off both sides of the wall because he was half asleep, wiping sleep out of his eyes. And he blindingly ran into the room, flipped the light on. His son was lying there on the floor crying. And he asked him, he said, why is it that you fell out of the bed? I mean, you got a, you got a large bed that is sufficient. You can sleep anywhere on it. Why is it? You fell off the bed. He said, I guess I was just sleeping too close to the edge. 
I'm going to tell you, when you get too close to the edge, there's a danger of being lost. There's a danger in being lost. Praise God. You think I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to every one of us. Amen. You need to be careful. You need to be careful. You need to be t careful about all the, the, the little, uh, I call them, what do they, what do they call it, the uh, armchair quarterbacks. People that think they know. They don't know. They're not called. They're not, they're not anointed. Come on now. I don't mean to be too plain, but I, they're not anointed. They're not who you need to be listening to. They're not your pastor. They're not going to answer for your soul. They can't even answer for themselves most of the time. Don't be listening to that. Don't be listening to that negativity. Don't be letting them destroy your faith. Don't get caught up in gossip and all of that kind of mess. Amen. Let's, let's believe the report of the Lord. Would you lift up your hands with me right now? Let's give praise to the Lord.